Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Liam, good morning. Lyle, how are you? I am just amazing that this morning. That is amazing to hear. What are Guess you thankful for? Uh, ten person rule. Ten person rule. Ten person rule. Five person rule in the home. Ten person rule in uh, public settings, which means that we can have church of ten now. We can go and meet some people. I saw uh, a letter come out from from one of my churches back home in Cairns, saying that they're that they're encouraging home churches to yes, meet in absolutely. homes. All kinds of different churches sort of take... Ten people is a fair chunk in a home. And my big push at the moment, this is my personal push, is outdoor church. Indeed. So here's my theory. My theory is that ten people to a home is a little bit cramped and it's also not as safe. Yeah. As outdoor church, so my theory is take a guitar, take a, build a campfire, take your camp chairs, uh, cook over the fire, have church outside, uh, just be amazing. Do that for the next month until the, you know, or however long it takes to go to the next stage of restriction easing. But in the meantime, we had... Uh under the two-person rule, we had friends over last night, which was just great. Now, this does of course, the, the ten rule, the ten-person rule does mean that one of my favourite memes is again relevant, and that is we know the verse where two or three people are gathered there too, the Lord will be. Well, now it's where two or three or more, but less than ten are gathered, the Lord too will also be That's there. That's right, and uh, there was a moment there where it was less than ten, even less than ten, and it was just two or three, and no more than two or three. Um, but yes, um, but this morning I am thankful for uh, the healthcare workers. I had to go get a blood test yesterday, not for coronavirus, it was for iron, and they were lovely. They have, despite everything, they've been absolute troopers. Their precautions are fantastic. And they take care of you really good. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, let's talk about positively different news. Positively different news. Well, I've been sort of thinking, there's been... When when you were younger, did you go to a church that was an established church? Or was it like a church where you went to like a, a, a community park or a community building? And you went yeah, to I kind of... Um I mean, hey, 99.9% of the time it was an established church that had been there since uh, you know, the Upper Hewan Church, I think, was founded in like 1904 or something or other. So been there for a very, very long time. But we did have, for a while, what was called a branch Sabbath school. You've probably never heard of that. Uh, branch Sabbath school was an old school term for an afternoon church plant. So if you want to do a church plant somewhere, uh, you go there, you hire a hall, um, or whatever it might be, some kind of building, and you run an afternoon church in that particular locality. And so we were running a church, uh, effectively a church plant there for a while uh, as a branch Sabbath school. So, yeah, that was kind of how churches were formed back in the day. We had the whole branch Sabbath school system. Yeah, right. Well, the church that I used to go to in Cairns, Edmonton Church, that yes. we went to a, a... Of course, that's in the Adventist system where we, we worship on the Sabbath day. Yes, that's why it's indeed. called the Sabbath school. Yeah. Indeed. Um, I, I went to... A, our church was um, in the community hall. And one thing that is significantly di- different about going to church in a community hall as opposed to an established church is that... On the on the morning before you have church, you've got to set up all the chairs. Okay, so while I did not grow up in that kind of environment, I have spent 
a very, very large portion of my ministry in church planting. Right, very good. Um, so, yeah, setting up chairs and then at Set the end up, of church, down. putting them down. And, and all your sound um, gear and all yeah, the music Getting it all out, getting it all ready, putting up process. all the... We had a bunch of banners that we put up to cover up all the signs that we didn't want to look at during church. Um, so, yeah, we did that. Now, in my age group, uh, there's been many memes going around the internet that... Uh, the more chairs you can carry in one go from the, the you know the main church area to where they go, the more likelihood it is of you finding yourself a partner. <laughs> and um, one thing that I've seen, because uh, we haven't been able to do that lately, we haven't been able to, to go to church and show off our chair uh, carrying skills. One thing that I've seen is that uh, there's been some young lads that have been videoing themselves. And putting them up on on all the social medias, and uh, it is it is as a joke, um, you know, because taking is, advantage. This is, this of, is a new thing for me. I really have been out of the market for finding a partner for twenty five years now, and so yeah, chair carrying was not a thing back in the day. Really, we did not select partners by the their ability. Or we were not selected by our ability to be able to carry chairs. In my church, we did get to cheat a little bit because we had a, a, a the um, what's the thing? the trolley, the trolley, a trolley. That's yep. it. We had a trolley to put them on, and um, it made it a lot easier. Although in ah, saying that, the though, invention of the wheel. In saying that, though, I must admit there were a bunch of older guys there that had had wives for many many years, and they would just pick them up and carry them without it's it because they just like to show all you young bucks up. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought it was funny watching these these lads video themselves at home, just carrying chairs. <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> what we need to do is get in contact with one of them and find out whether this has been successful. <laughs> Liam, you need to put up a video of yourself carrying chairs, and we'll see if we can find a girlfriend for Liam. How we'll, about that? <laughs> we'll see how we go. Um, in other news this morning, something that uh, something else that caught my eye on the internet is I saw a photo of the many different ways that avocado comes. Now, do you, what's, how do you feel about avocado? I feel... Uh, how do you not feel about avocado? Avocado is God's gift to planet Earth. I, strong, I have green a strong, bowl. strong hatred for, for avocado. No, you just... I, it just... Built, the the way it goes down, the way it, the way it sits in your mouth, it just... The best ugh. thing ever. I, just thinking about it Avocado on toast with honey, yum. So think about this, Delicious. okay? You can make a face mask out of avocado. You can make dip. You can make a. You can spread it on your toast. Uh, you can eat it with sushi. You can eat it with sugar. There are many, many different ways to make avocado. Uh, like, on, on the topic of disliking avocado, I've got to say, and this is going to baffle many, many minds. I don't mind guacamole. <laughs> guacamole. Okay, it's because okay. guacamole's got all the like, all okay, the added yeah, stuff. It's it's ninety percent avocado. So all right. Um, I hate mushrooms. Yeah. But put 10% mushrooms in something and I don't want to eat it. But you'll go 90% avocado and still eat it. Me? Yes. It's it's more because of the, the, the all the oils yeah, and yeah, salts yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 but it's still 90% avocado. And you're really good to mash it up. You can put anything, you can put any amount of uh, oils and salts and whatever with mushrooms and they're still just earth zits. They don't really taste like a lot though, mushrooms. There's a lot. They, Look, I'll, I'll admit, mushrooms like a, isn't. They taste like a lot of. Um, Something unmentionable. <laughs> Mushrooms isn't at the top of my list anyway, uh, either, rather. Good. Um, but, good to know. Good to know. But, you know, I don't hate them. It's, I, I'm, I'd, I'd happily eat mushrooms. Okay, you were, you were gaining points there for a moment. Now you're sliding back again. But avocado... I avocado is just... I'm uh, going to... I, for, the, for as long as I can, can, I'm going to steer clear 
of avocado. When I lived in Hawaii, um, they had uh, big round avocados, like almost round, mm. about the size and shape, almost like a grapefruit. Oh, they were the best avocados ever. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Maybe I've made a already, I've made a deal with it, um with someone very close to me that uh, if 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 they want something from me, oh, sorry, if I want something from them, if if I'm really desperate for it, I'll eat a little piece of avocado, just to really show to them that I'm committed. And that no, I'm come serious. on, Liam. Make it a whole avocado. Go the whole way. Just say, oh, I'll get we'll a, see how we go. We'll I'm see just how we get go. Get a spoon out and eat the whole thing. We, we will see how we go. I've got no guarantees, but I can guarantee that I will attempt to eat it. There are some avocados. I do hate the slimy ones that are full of strings. Yeah. I just, not nice. I just don't like them. Full stop. Anyway, the reason why I'm bringing up avocados is because I don't like avocados, and there's many, many different ways that avoca- avocados can come. And a thought came to me while I was looking at this. Okay. These are the many, these are the things that people people human beings can do with avocado. Just imagine for a minute what God could do with your life. If he can do this much, if if people can do this much with an avocado, imagine what God can do with our lives. Even if Well, look at what God has already done with our lives. Exactly. I mean, even with people it's, not everyone likes avocado. There's some people that not everyone likes. Just imagine with what God can do with their life. Yeah. It's just incredible. And there might be people that, you know, listening to this where people aren't the biggest fan of you. Well, that's okay. We are. We like you. We love you. Absolutely. And, um, we love all of our listeners. Absolutely. And, and, and just think about what God can do for you. Just think about the difference that God can make in your life and, and have him with you today. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay. Joining us on the phone this morning is Robbie Bergen from Tasmania. Robbie, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Lyle. Thanks for having us. Hey, uh, Robbie, just want to talk to you about the Hope Awakens program that you've been involved with, and we understand you actually started last weekend, continuing this week, uh, working through a number of different stages there. But can you give us a bit of background as to how this program, yeah, where where it came from, how it started, what was the inspiration behind it? Yeah, no, it was pretty exciting. Um, I'm just one person in a in a whole team that got involved in this. Um, it all sort of started. Back in February and March, um, myself and uh, the other presenter, Gary Webster, we were working on some series of meetings that we were doing up in Brisbane. And uh, to right towards the end of it, as I'm sure your listeners would be aware, COVID-19 sort of struck unexpectedly. And so it sort of shifted us all from uh, being in in-person uh, seminars and meetings to uh, now doing everything remotely and by distance. And so a, a number of... Uh, presenters around the country sort of found themselves in the same situation and out of all of that a lot of zoom meetings and discussions and things we came up with this formula of uh you know what let's just do a national um program and if predictions of hope was born um it was interesting because the the name itself came out of what we saw happening with google trends um, Google Trends, a facility where you can sort of see what people are searching for around Australia. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in like forever, things like predictions, that, that word predictions, was being searched for more than things like NRL, for example. You know, like people were more interested in what was happening with the predictions of coming 2020 than they were in the, uh, the NRL at the time. So that's sort of how we got that title. But it's been a crazy year, hasn't it? Like we've seen... Uh, bushfires, then obviously coronavirus. We've seen uh, the stockpiling, we've seen empty um, Woolworth shelves, 
I was in unemployment lines. I mean, it's just been crazy. And you can understand why people are looking for some sort of certainty. And so Predictions of Hope was, was born out of that. And as you mentioned before, um, we had that last weekend from Friday through to Monday. And uh, yeah, it was, it was four nights and we had eight presentations between myself and Gary Webster. And yeah, it was, it was a pretty exciting experience to see it. It's the first time I've been involved with something like that where it's been a live sort of uh, online only broadcast sort of thing. But we had some really interesting engagement. It was really quite interesting. Yeah, this is a, an experiment for all of us, really, because as you say, we would be doing this, you know, in large audiences spread across Brisbane. Um, now you're doing an audience that is spread across the world. Can you tell us a little bit about the response? Uh, obviously, you're broadcasting from Tasmania. Have you had a bigger response in Tasmania? Have you had a bigger response in Australia? Have you had a, a global response? Yeah, so we... we uh for Hope Awakens, uh, sorry, for Predictions of Hope, which we just did last weekend, we, we did all that from here in Tasmania. But uh, the interesting thing is, as you guys would be aware, you sort of lose your local um, presence when you go online. Like, it just becomes a global thing. Um, the, the data guys up in Sydney who were taking care of the back-end stuff for us, they gave us a report on Tuesday saying that like obviously our number one audience in terms of viewing was uh, here in Australia, but number two, I mean, I'll let, let, let's let this sink in for a second, right? Number two country of origin for watching predictions of hope four part series was Bangladesh. Like, who Bangladesh, a Bangladesh hard a hardcore Islamic country. Number two country by views was Bangladesh. Number three was New Zealand. So, like, we, we, we didn't even have Bangladesh in our mind putting together this program. It was very, like, it was focusing on Australia and New Zealand. But, hey, Bangladesh, if you want to watch, we're happy to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Did you did you do any advertising that part targeted, you know, uh, Bangladesh, India, Pakistan, that kind of uh, subcontinent region? Now, look, all of our advertising was digital advertising, and it was all targeted at Australia and New Zealand. And, like, that was primarily through Google Search, right, through Google AdWords for Google Searches, and also for uh, Facebook, obviously. So, yeah, no paid advertising whatsoever outside of our geographical region, and yet Bangladesh, number two in terms of viewing. It's just gone... And, um, they're telling... Sorry? I say somebody's picked it up over there, and it's just gone viral in through, through yeah, Bangladesh. Yeah, Absolutely. And, that, and that's the beauty with this whole new approach that we've sort of been, uh, it's almost like been forced into a little bit because of COVID-19. Like, we, there were obviously stuff we were doing online and programs like that, but it's, it's sort of forced everyone out into this public space now. And it's, it's just opening up frontiers that nobody really even thought about up until now. You know, it's pretty exciting. Will these kind of programs ever go back to being the same again? Or will they be forever international now that we have you know crossed this barrier you know that's something that a lot of people are asking um like it, yeah i i don't i think there will be a desire at some point to get back to face-to-face -face sort of meetings and things like that and just interaction because there are things that you know it's not exactly the same like you can't go up and talk like when you're doing these public um presentations always in between the breaks you get a line of people coming up asking you questions and wanting to get sort of deeper insights and things like that. So that part, I feel like people are still going to be hungering for that. But the thing that 
we've noticed, and I'm sure you, know, you and other guys in the same field have noticed, is that um, it seems to be that the messages live longer now, you know, because uh, in the live events, if you show up 10 seconds late, then you've missed 10 seconds. If you show up half an hour late, you've missed half an hour. But now people can sort of, well, if I missed it live, I can always watch it on video on demand, you know. So we're actually seeing that. We're predictions of hope, which finished last Monday night. Um, we're seeing people still signing up for the free offers on the, the video presentations that are still sitting there on YouTube and on Facebook. So even though from a presenter's point of view, you know, you like to have that engagement with the live audience, there's something about having a message that's recorded and living on longer that's impacting people's lives long after I've, I've stopped speaking on the stage or Gary stopped speaking on the stage, you know? So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's going to ever return back exactly the same way it was. I think we're going to see a lot more live streaming of these sorts of events instead of just, you know, speaking in a convention center or something like that. But I don't know. I, I hope we do get some element of the one-on-one the -on -one interaction back. I hope there is still an appetite for that. But I, I definitely think our reach, I don't think you'd ever want to go back to the way we were doing it before because you lose the reach that we've had. I mean, who would have thought Bangladesh, you know? I mean, come on. Yeah, exactly. When you were, uh, when you were researching, you know, the title that you're going to give to this particular uh, series and you, and you came up with predictions as being a keyword that people were searching for, what yep. kind of content did was involved with predictions of hope you've you've done your four-part series and of course it's continuing again this evening and i, I just should mention that as you were just uh, stating here that uh this is material that continues to live on you stay tuned right here on faith fm after the breakfast show and predictions of hope is coming on straight after us so you'll get to hear robbie and gary straight after the uh breakfast show but um what, what kind of content can we expect to hear well, predictions of hope. We we looked at the, what what people are looking for in terms of um, what they're searching for. We found things like people are searching. One of the number one search terms this year so far was predictions twenty twenty. It started off with Australian buyers, and then that sort of faded. And then it came into COVID nineteen, and that sort of faded. And then it was unemployment, and that sort of faded. And then it was death count. I mean, these are the sorts of things that we saw people searching for. And so, um, Gary and myself with predictions of hope, we, we plotted out eight presentations, which, um, oh, by the way, if you actually search for some of these terms that people are searching for, you find absolute crazy crackpot sort of material online. I mean, it's all, you know, who, um, Nostradamus predicted COVID-19, you know, in, in one breath, and the other breath that says he predicted the end of the world in, in 2000, uh, sorry, in 1999. So the, the, the quality of predictions and insights and stuff it's just it's just so much of it is just rubbish it's just quack quackery right mm. so we thought you know there is there is a source of predictions and it doesn't cover every area of your life sort of thing but there is a solid source of predictions that can give uh comfort and guidance and hope to our lives and we find that is is the, the scriptures right the old and the new testament so what gary and i did we we created eight programs that sort of lay a good foundation as to why we believe that the Old Testament and the New Testament scriptures, these ancient manuscripts, why we believe they are actually a source of um, quality predictions. And so we track through uh, from an archaeological perspective to start with, just to show that there's this, this document that we call the Bible, it historically, accurately, and consistently gets its facts right. Even when 
uh, you know, the, the sciences, so-called sciences like archaeology and, and uh, higher criticism, things like that, kept saying it was wrong, it was wrong, it was wrong. It took time, but archaeology validated that. So we, we start with that sort of framework, and then we move into looking at, well, archaeology is great. Okay, it's, it's great to know that it was historically accurate, these places, these kings, these these um, towns and so on, but you know, it's not super interesting to my life in a COVID-19 universe, you know. So then we start looking at, well, ha- what's the track record of predictions that these ancient manuscripts give? And some people go, oh, you know, it doesn't really contain predictions. I mean, no one, the, you know, the, who, who can predict the future? But when you drill into these ancient manuscripts, you know, some of them, like the physical ones we have, some of them dating back to 2,200 years of age, just the actual copies we have, the original is obviously much older than that. We start seeing a very, very interesting pattern where these predictive elements are laid out like thousands of years, sometimes hundreds of years before events take place. And then as we see those fulfilled, it starts to build this case that we're dealing with something that, like I say in the presentation, I think we're dealing with something supernatural. And so we sort of uh, track the trajectory through these ancient manuscripts from from ancient history all the way down to present times, and then we start looking at well, what's it going to what's it saying about the times in front of us? So we sort of do this from the from the past to the present to the future. That's kind of the um, the the navigation that we have, we took when we're looking at this series. But as you said, Lyle, this is uh, what we did last weekend was sort of a a pre-taste to what's starting tonight, 7.30. Yeah, because you've got three speakers in this particular series that are collaborating together, and so far Gary's presented, you've presented. Uh, next one in the series is John Bradshaw presenting, and he starts this evening. Uh, what's, John, exactly what's, John, right. what's John going to be taking about, talking about? So John is, um, for those who may not know who John Bradshaw is, he's, a, um, he's an international speaker. He, he teaches uh, in prophecy. He teaches all sorts of... Um, uh, theology and things like that. He's a speaker for a program in the United States called It Is Written. It's a very popular um, satellite program. It's on cable TV. It's on the internet and so on. So John Bradshaw, he's done this program um, for us here in Australia and New Zealand. And so Gary and he and is a, he is program. a uh, he is a New Zealander who has lived extensively in Australia. So we kind of claim him yes. as uh, you know our part of the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a few words that you go, yeah, John, you're sort of, you've been influenced there by the other parts of the world. But, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's still one of our own. He's still an Anzac, I guess you could call him. Um, he's lived in lived in England and he's currently living in the US. He's, he's done a lot of uh, speaking around the world. But um, so John John's going to take us on a, a series of topics that, that sort of, pick up where we finished up with predictions of hope and sort of continues on from there. Like tonight at 7.30, he's going to start with a topic called signs you can't ignore. And so he's going to start looking at what's taking place in our world today, right? Like if we look at some of the the things happening, I mean, we're all focusing a little bit on the COVID-19 thing and the unemployment here in Australia. But I don't know if if your listeners are aware, like there's plagues of epic proportion of locusts ravaging African continent right now as we're speaking. Um, the U.S. has just had tornadoes, like crazy amounts of tornadoes once again. We've, we've seen earthquakes. Like There's the, the stuff happening around our planet that is just people are asking that are seeing all this. They're asking, what does all this stuff mean? And so what John's going to pick up tonight is how and what these signs, um, are they signs, in fact? Are, are these pestilence and things signs? 
are these earthquake signs? He's going to pick all that up and he's going to package it and uh, sort of give us this um, continuation from where we finished off last week. So if your listeners are going to tune in tonight, it'd be good if they could do a quick um, binge session on Predictions of Hope before they get started here tonight. And a great place to uh, do a binge session on uh, Predictions of Hope. We'll be right here on Faith FM. Just keep listening after the breakfast show finishes. Uh, but very quickly, uh, John Bradshaw, his program this evening, what time and how do we access it? Yeah, so we want uh, we want to get people driven to our portal, which is a website portal, which is hopeawakens.com.au. Um, you can go there. You'll be able to watch the live stream on that page. It's also going to be on, on YouTube and on Facebook pages and so on. But we want you to go to hopeawakens.com.au. And the reason for that is, is that throughout the course of these presentations, John's going to be making some um, offers for his viewers. And it's on that site where you'll be able to get access to your um, free offers. It's also the site where you're going to have all the catch-up. So if you happen to miss one, I, I hope they're not going to miss one, but if they happen to miss one, one of your listeners or viewers will be able to um, catch up with the previous sessions. They'll also be able to access some other resources like um, directly asking questions. So Gary and I are the hosts um, in the evening um, before the presentation. So, so we'll be actually dealing with the questions that our Australian New Zealand audience post on this uh, website. So if you want to get your uh, 10 seconds of fame, post a question on hopeawakens.com.au and uh, we'll do our best to fit it into the program. Robbie Bergen, thank you so much for joining us on uh, The Breakfast Show here this morning. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Time for Question of the Day. And Liam was just getting me sidetracked on history. I was about to geek out on history, and it's now question of the day. We can do that a bit later. Yeah. All right, so question of the day today is Hindus have trimurti, and Christians have the Holy Trinity. Can we compare them, or or can we please explain us, uh, can can we then please explain a triune God, a triune God? Triune God. Okay, so trimurti in uh, uh, a Sanskrit word, it simply means three forms. Um, it's the triple deity of supreme divinity in Hinduism in which the cosmic functions of creation, maintenance and destruction are personified as triad of deities, um, Brahma the creator, Vishnu the preserver and Shiva the destroyer. Now, many people sort of ask the question, you know, okay, so if this exists in Hinduism, did Hinduism get the concept of a triune God from Christianity or did Christianity get it from Hinduism? Okay, if you look at Christianity, Christianity is an extension. I, I, I will, I will go further than that, and I will say, uh, does this something? Is this something that goes back to Abrahamic religions? Because if you take it back to Abrahamic religions, then of course it predates Hinduism by about fifteen hundred years. The concept of uh, the, the recorded concept of a triune God, from a biblical perspective, I'd say this has been around from the very beginning. You see, you go back to the Book of Genesis, and once again we're speaking about the Book of Genesis being written by Moses and Moses, but writing about fifteen hundred years before uh, the earliest Hindu writers that we have in existence. In fact, Moses was writing in a period not long after the invention of writing itself. And we noted these passages the other day, but in Genesis chapter 1, and you can't get much further back in the Bible than that, you have, and God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, let them have dominion over the sea, over the fowl of the uh, earth, and over the cattle, and over 
all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. And here you've got this plural plural terms that are being used, us and our. What is also significant within this verse is that it does not use the word Yahweh for God. It uses the word Elohim. And the L within that indicates plurality, so more than one. And so the Bible speaks that there are three in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is where the Bible, and and we're not going to talk so much about Christianity as we are about the Bible, but this is where the Bible diverges dramatically from Hinduism. Because the Bible says that these three are one. Hinduism says that these three are very, very different from each other, even though in Hinduism you've got a number of like kind of weird kind of, you know, sometimes you have a a single god with three heads and all this kind of strange thing. But the Hindu gods are very, very different from each other. You've got one who creates, one who preserves, and one who destroys. Whereas the biblical god is united. They are one. If they are going to create, they all create. If they are going to preserve, they all preserve. If they are going to destroy, they all destroy. There isn't one or the other that is separated out for these different functions. They operate together. Now, many people struggle with the question of more than one being one. And once again, we did talk about this the other day. But if you turn the page here, God describes how that works in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. The Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife or be joined to his wife, and they shall be one. Okay, now if you look at my family, my wife and I are two. We are not one. But the Bible describes the oneness in the marriage relationship as an illustration of the oneness that the Godhead has, and when you have oneness in thought, in deed, in action, in every aspect of your life, a perfect unity together, you're serving one God. You know, perfectly united together, you are simply serving one God. And so that's the big difference that you have between the Hindu version, which has basically taken the biblical version and adapted it to their own use. Um, and created a forgery from it.